Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Today's guest is Eric Kondo. Eric is an innovator, he's a 30-year veteran when it comes to using a wheelchair, and he has some incredibly unique ways of moving on his wheelchair. Eric is the founder of Red Pill Innovations, and he's on a mission to improve and increase personal mobility by using everyday items and modifying them to suit wheelchairs. You've got to check it out. So great to have you on the show today, Eric. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to to do a little talking with you. Hey, so just to set the scene for our listeners, can you give us a little bit of intro into into where you're you're based and how you ended up spending your life uh, using some wheels? So um, I live right outside of Boston, uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and um, I had a motorcycle accident when I was a sophomore in high school, excuse me, sophomore in college. That's about uh, over 30 years ago. So it's been quite a while. I can say that for the most part, I've, I've spent most of my adult life um, as a wheelchair user. Oh, okay. So I imagine that 30 years ago, the rehabilitation environment was quite a bit different than it was now. Can you summarize what, what if any, uh, those differences are? Uh, well, you know, I can't speak to so much for what's going on right now, but I can I can tell you that back then there certainly wasn't a lot of information. Um, you know, the rehab that I went to, there was only one other person there with spinal cord injury. Um, that guy had a neck injury. They they were relatively unfamiliar with you know how to deal with uh, spinal cord injury. I, I will say that. Um, I was very fortunate in this case that um, with with my injury I had a um, compression fracture, so I didn't need to get rods. I didn't really have any other secondary complications. I lost some teeth in my motorcycle accident, uh, but other than that, I was in pretty good shape. So I spent a relatively short time in rehab. Um, back then, it was five weeks, which is uh, it used to be in the older days. You know, they would keep you for maybe six months or so forth. So um, my goal was to really get out of rehab as quick as possible and get back to school. Um, so I entered in um, in the end of October, and then I was back in school in January. So my rehab stay was was relatively quick, and um, like I said, my goal was to to leave that place as soon as possible. It's a good goal to have, man, for sure. And I think the people that I've spoken to and and met that have that determination early on, they um, yeah, it puts them in good stead. Listen, tell me. Uh, it was, Obviously, it wasn't an easy easy journey for you. What was one of the toughest moments that you remember, and and how did you how did you find yourself uh, getting out of that? Well, I think in my case, um, you know, I've always been you know somewhat goal driven, and and having the goal to get out and then get back to school um, always kept me moving. In other words, um, I didn't have a, a dead time to 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 do be stuck somewhere. For instance, I knew that if I didn't get back for my second semester in college, that means I was going to be going home. And if I was going home, that means I wouldn't be doing anything till the next year started, you know, um, many months later in September. That probably would have been a bad time for me. Uh, But since I got right back to school in January, I was really, you know, 
busy trying to get back to my life, getting back to the stuff that, you know, getting back to school, um, getting back to my friends, getting back to, you know, all of those activities. Uh, that, I think, kept me, you know, pretty busy and, and, and moving. Um, so it didn't leave a, a space, I think, for me to ha- have, have um, a lot of, you know, despair. So, um, that makes sense. And that's so- at least what I believe what was your what was your life like before that time? What what sort of things were you into? You know, I was in college. Um, you know, I I played soccer. I played lacrosse. You know, I was active um, in in you know the outdoors. You know, I was a member of an outing club. Um, so we you know do hiking and camping and that kind of things. Um, so you know, I, I I was a pretty active person. You know, you know reasonably athletic. Um, I majored in physics and math. So I was also, you know, working in, in that area. Um, and that was, you know, those are pretty much my, my main interest, you know, at the time. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, fast forward to, uh, to today, you've got some pretty exciting uh, innovations that you're working on, and particularly in the, the personal mobility space. Can you tell us a little bit about Red Pill Innovations and, and what that's all about? Red Pill Innovations is relatively a new thing. Um, you know, I, I created it a, a, as part of this um, Toyota Mobility contest that I entered in recently. Um, but what it is is sort of um, the outgrowth of my you know, interest in personal mobility. So for the last, you know, four years or so, I've been um, exploring and, and, and making um, with some help and sometimes on my own, you know, different powered mobility products, which really started uh, with with um, skateboarding, you know, wheelchair skateboarding, electric skateboarding, which is not the WCMX that, that sometimes people think of when they think about wheelchair skateboarding. Um, this is actually putting my wheelchair on electric skateboard and riding it. Um, that sort of created what I call wheelchair boarding, where I was like, okay, if I can do it on a skateboard, I can do, can I do it, you know, then I'll make a land board, um, then, you know, I'll make a long board. Um, I adapted one for, um, I created a device for um, snowboarding. So I would snowboard for my wheelchair. I made something for skimboarding, you know, for ocean skimboarding for my chair. So the idea was, you know, what are these other balance-based Acti- mobility activities can I do um, that really use the wheelie as a central um, balancing and control point. So, and it's just kind of expanded from that. So the red pill was when I thought, well, you know, if I can do all these other things on these other kind of boards, then I probably can ride a hoverboard. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Toyota Mobility Contest came about and they were looking for people to create, you know, innovative ideas and in that case i was like well i don't know if i can ride a hoverboard but i think i can if i enter this contest you know maybe i can you know actually you know make that happen um which would require some you know engineering and and some money being spent um in this case uh, the toyota contest you know um i won a, a discovery award which gave me some funds to really play around with the whole um hoverboard idea and you know i was able to come up with with some help with creating a team uh we came up with a a method for you know a wheelchair to ride on hoverboard which is actually a lot easier than it sounds 
Tell um, me first off, what's, what's so, a hoverboard? Is that is that like a, a it's kind of like a segue, you know, balancing self balance right. type thing? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Hoverboard is a very unfortunate name because it makes people think that people are flying around. Um, So uh, the the hoverboard is a standard consumer product, which is, you know, two wheels uh, that someone would stand on and and they're able to ride it um, by doing a wheelie of tilting. Doing a wheelie in the the wheelchair or what? Well, yeah. So, I mean, a standing person will do it by by using their feet to control each side uh, of the hoverboard. So there's two motors, right? So, so, so if you think about them standing on the hoverboard and using their feet um, and, and ankle flexation forward and backwards, uh, then replace the, um, the feet, the two feet with two wheelchair wheels, and you effectively have the same thing. Um, somebody pushes forward with their toes, it's pretty much the same as pushing forward on your wheelchair wheels. Uh, pushing uh, uh, with your heels backwards is like pulling back on your wheelchair wheels. And, and the effect is, is pretty much the same. Um, so riding it wasn't that hard. The trick was figuring out how to mount it and turn it on and all that kind of stuff. So that's where the development came into. So what what essentially drove you to to experiment with this? Was there was there a moment that you went, I've got to try? It seems like a very unlikely thing to try. What was your what drove you to do that? That's a good question, and and I will say that. Um, one of the things that I've always felt that I've been missing out on as a wheelchair user is these, you know, balance-based, you know, acquired skill activities. I mean, you have mono skiing, which fits that category, but for a lot, for most other um, activities, wheelchair-related or wheel activities, they're pretty much based on a, a four-wheel or a three-wheel platform. Now, I've been fortunate that um, 25 years ago, I got a two-wheeled hand cycle that had landing gear. So I've been able to ride and balance, you know, um, using that device as opposed to a a three-wheeled bicycle. And because of that, I've always really enjoyed the feeling of balancing and not enjoyed the feeling of not balancing. But I really didn't know where to go with it. Like I had the bike, and and that was the only thing. And the bike and the skiing, and that was really the only balance-based things that I could, I could think of doing. Um, it wasn't until about four years ago when I saw somebody else on a regular, in a wheelchair on a regular uh, longboard, that I was like, wait a minute, maybe there's this can be if this guy can do it, then I'm going to try it. Um, and then when I tried it and then I recognized that it was actually a thing that would work, then the next thing was, okay, let's put a motor on it because you're really limited without a motor. But once you put a motor on the thing, you know, you really have a, a, you know, a functional device. So from that, it just kept growing, uh, growing in me thinking, well, what's the next thing that I can do? Because if you can do this, then can you do that? <laughs> and that, that's kind of how it all developed and so the hoverboarding is really just a natural extension of what I've already been doing, which I call wheelchair boarding for lack of a better name. It's great. It, it's a catch-all for a whole range of wheelchair boarding scenarios, right? So like, when, when do you go out and wheelchair board? And, and can you just describe an, an application? You know, is it, is it recreation? Is it, uh, is it like playing a Rubik's Cube? Is it a game? Is it... What, what is it that you enjoy about it? I think that's a great question because one of the things that 
I, I think is very important, it's very important to me, is I like variability. I don't like to do the same thing over and over. So, for instance, my skateboard um, turns really, really sharply. So I can just hop on that thing and ride it in my driveway and just turn and circle and just completely amuse myself in a relatively small area. Mm. Um, this is electric, electric powered, uh, right? This is electric powered, exactly. Yeah. Um, but my, you know, la- my longboard goes pretty fast. I mean, I've gone up to 20 miles an hour on that thing. So that's not the kind of thing you can ride in your driveway unless you have a huge driveway. So I'll take that on my bike path. I've taken my um, land board on a, excuse me, my longboard on a long bike ride um, where other people ride their bikes, and I've ridden over 30 miles with it. So in a lot of ways, it's highly functional. So I can use that. I, I use that on bike paths. My, sometimes I go with my kids. They'll ride my bike. They'll ride, rather, they'll ride their bikes. I'll take my longboard. Um, I created a land board, which can go on grass and more uneven terrain. So that's if you're going with, if you want to be, you know, more on the nature trail, you'd use that. So every one of these tools has a different environment where they where they work well on, but they don't work well on in other areas. So you you know, just like everyone else, you 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 find the place you want to go, and then you use that tool. Just like if you want to go skiing, you're going to bring your monoski, but your monoski is pretty horrible, you know, everywhere else. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, Eric, when when do you um, when do you ride these? Like, do you how often? Do you regularly ride them? Uh, do like I imagine that you 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 sort of pop a wheelie on your wheelchair and you you bump up onto these uh, boards. How do you get? You know, how do you stay in place? Um, and do you have to – are you constantly pulling a wheelie or are you locking your brakes off on your wheelchair? Like, how does it work? Right. Uh, that's a good question. So uh, w- one of the hardest – particularly for the skateboard, one of the hardest parts of, 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 of riding a skateboard is actually getting on it because I, I've, I've made it pretty unstable in order to increase the maneuverability. Mm-hmm. The longboard is more stable, easier to get on. But it is like jumping a curb. Um, that's multiple inches high, but except for the fact that the curb moves. Now, also, there, there are things that I called wheel rails. The wheel rails are effectively stoppers, that once you jump onto the board, your wheels are stopped in place. Now, mm-hmm. they're not locked, because you can roll on, you can roll off, but they're stopped. Uh, when your wheels are stopped, it's much simpler to hold a wheelie. But you can't lock your... You cannot... Because the... These devices are based on shifting your center of balance. You can't lock your wheels any more than I could say to you, hey, Mike, go ahead and pop a wheelie. Now put on your brakes. Because the minute you put put on your brakes, what would happen? Yeah, it absolutely. You, you well, all over. You, you, right. Unless you're leaning against a wall or something or you're um, in, in a stationary right. position. Providing somewhat yeah. other st- stability, you're going yeah. to fall over because you've lost, abil- you've lost ability to do micro movements which creates the wheelie so even when you hold a wheelie and you feel like you're actually still you're not you're doing micro movements um to balance and and that's that is effectively the same thing when riding the skateboard or 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 these devices now the thing is you're going sideways so for me it from going from being in a wheelchair and always going forward 
getting on these devices and going sideways um, creates a completely different feeling of mobility. You, you, I have totally transformed the wheelchair experience from hmm. feeling like a wheelchair to feeling like something completely different. Because, you know, in a wheelchair, when you lean backwards, you're like, oh, I'm going to fall over. But mm-hmm. when you're on a skateboard, when you lean backwards, you turn, you mm-hmm. know, um, which is just amazing. And if you think about it, you know, why do people love, um, you know, uh, snowboard, stand-up snowboarding? Why do they love surfing and so forth? Because what they're constantly doing is turning and, and turning in a manner that allows them to, to balance, you know, uh, centrifugal force, you know, with their turning. So they're if they were stopped, they would fall over, but the speed keeps them in that position. And that is real to me, that's really fun, you know, because you're finding that edge, like how, you know, how much can I lean, you know, before I go over? And it's, it's, it's all about balancing. That's why people love to, you know, take a bicycle, take a motorcycle, you know, when they turn it, what do they do? They lean it over as much as they can. Mm. You know, they don't want to go too far. They're going to fall over, but they want to find that edge. And and to me, you cannot do that in a wheelchair, four-wheel-based or three-wheel-based device. It doesn't happen because you're not doing any kind of leaning and balancing. So if there's any wheelchair listeners out there that want to give this a go, what? Uh, how could they do that? Well, I have a, um, a Facebook page that's called Wheelchair Boarding. Um, and they could go to that site. They could look, you know, because I put up all lots of videos and photos of stuff that I'm doing. I'm not making and selling these products. You could just look at it and, you know, deconstruct it and pretty much make it yourself. I mean, there is really no complex technology going on here. And, and that's what's so cool about it. In fact, you don't, you can get started like I did with just a regular longboard that you can buy for about $100. You know, so for a hundred dollars, you can buy a longboard. You can make some very simple brackets out of out of metal. You know, you can screw them onto the to your longboard, and then you can jump on up on it on a little bit of hill and go. So, you know, this is actually one of the few sports that you can get into for a very short amount of money when you consider, you know, what everything else costs. You know, an off-road bike costs you ten thousand dollars. So I'm talking about literally hundreds of dollars here. And that's without a motor. That's so good because the price of mobility equipment is actually a real barrier for, for a lot of people that, uh, that have mobility challenges. Uh, just, just remind me, Eric, your injury level is, is somewhere around the T, uh, T10 or? T4, T, no, T4, T5. Wow. So, so – Wow. That's, I'm impressed because – you know, you've got next to no core muscles, I, I presume. Right, right. I don't. And, and, and so one of the things that reason that this works well is that um, when you hold a wheelie, you hold a wheelie with your arms and your arms are on your wheels and that provides your trunk support. So when it comes to sports such as, you know, sledge hockey, um, where you see all these guys, you know, they're doing these, you know, they're doing these amazing turning you know, and, and while they're turning, they can stick handle and all that stuff. I'm very, I, I do a very poor job at anything like that because the minute I use my hands for anything other than support, um, I lose my ability to functionally balance. So 
one of the things that I found with, with the wheelchair boarding stuff is because I'm always holding on to the wheels and that's my form of balance. It really helps uh, me with not having a lot of trunk. Now, granted, any amount of trunk that you have will always make it easier, period, end of story, mm. you know? But that doesn't mean not having trunk means means that you can't do it. Hey, Eric, what does the future hold for you? Uh, now that the Toyota Mobility Challenge has moved on to the, the finalists, um, what um, what's your next uh, what's your next goal? Well, I, I think, and you know, I've learned a lot from this Toyota Challenge, and and for me, it really wasn't about one of my. I'm not really that interested in making products and selling products, particularly. You know, there's a lot of liability involved. Um, I was more interested in proving, making a point, and one of my points was, look. You can use existing products that that already exist for able-bodied people, modify them relatively cheaply, and 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 be able to do something. Um, so instead of having you know to spend thousands of thousands of dollars, maybe you can spend hundreds of dollars. Um, and and that was kind of one of the, one of my points. So the fact that I didn't you know I didn't get to the next level. You know, it's more of a, a blow to my ego and less to, you know, to changing my life. Um, I what I've learned from this process is I think there's a huge disconnect from what engineers and design and designers of mobility products think we as wheelchair users want and what wheelchair users actually want. Hmm. Um, I. You know, this whole process has I've really convinced me that that is the case. And looking at the five winners of this contest, or this or this stage of the contest, has has done nothing more than convince me that it really is the case. Wow, it's interesting. I think it's right across the board. You know, we're we're in design, and um, one of my projects recently. Uh, the first thing we did was actually go out to the end user and talk to them about exactly what issues, challenges they face and really get to understand it before we even decided to go ahead and, and do any design. Um, and I think if more uh, engineers and design companies do that, uh, then the end products that they create will be better and the the consumers or the, the end users that they they aim to serve will also uh, get a better result. Um, so Right. And, and I think what happens is, is that you can talk to any designer and engineer and they give lip service to this idea of talking to the end user. So they all recognize it's important, but they don't really take it to that next level and really understand the totality of the, the issue involved. For instance, um, you know, there are so, you know, a lot of... Uh, People are, are. I get emails every once in a while from di- different design organizations who all want to make, you know, a, a stair climbing wheelchair. Mm. And they're, con- you know, because if you ask wheelchair users, like, are stairs a problem? They're going to tell you, well, yeah, they are a problem. Okay. So naturally, your designer is going to think, well, in that case, I'm going to design a stair climbing wheelchair and thus I will alleviate their problem. Mm. What they don't ask is, how much more weight and size are you, wheelchair <laughs> user, willing 
to carry always mm. for those opportunities to climb stairs? And th- that's a different question, you know? And I posed this, this question to my wife, you know, as an able-bodied person. I said, you know, uh, Catherine, let's imagine you could not walk upstairs. The only way you could get upstairs was, was getting help. Or I'm going to give you a device that you have to carry with you always. Like, not just when you're climbing stairs. Like, you always carry this thing. It's about the size of a dumbbell weight. Like, mm. how much extra weight are you willing to carry always mm. so you can climb stairs? And, and, and she, if, when you put it that way, you know, she's thinking like, I don't know, like three, four, five pounds max, you know, <laughs> she doesn't want to carry around the whole weight because she knows that for the amount of time that she actually climbs stairs, you know, there's all that other time she's carrying that extra weight around. It's like, well, maybe I then, you know, I just won't go up the stairs, right? And as wheelchair users, this is, this is what we face, right? We come to a set of stairs. If you can't do it on your own, you know, and you can't get help, you're just not going to go up. And the question is, how much are you willing to carry in size in your chair for all those other activities to get you to go up those stairs? Hmm. And I think if you posed it that way, most people would be like, uh, I don't know, five pounds, six pounds, you know, seven pounds, <laughs> not a lot. Hmm. And then you would just do the math and say, you know what? guess we can't make a stair climbing wheelchair. It's not happening. Not for that amount of weight. Mm. And it really wouldn't be a question anymore. But nobody asked that question. So people come up with, you know, crazy contraptions designed to, to climb stairs that nobody will ever use because they're not taking in consideration all these, you know, the totality of the issue. The whole picture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Eric, tell me what is one resource you find most helpful? So an online resource that you'd recommend uh, our listeners check out, uh, whether it's somebody new in, in hospital or in rehab or somebody somebody out there, um, you know, has been been out and using a wheelchair for a number of years. And I mean, that that's a good question. <laughs> and I, I think that um, the fact that one just doesn't pop into my head and I can say, oh, yeah, definitely go there. That's awesome, is, is part of the problem. Mm. Um, there, you know, there are definitely different sites and so forth, and there's many blogs, and there's, you know, there's tons of YouTube videos, um, and lots of people are trying to you know, figure out ways to provide this information. Um, but it's kind of all done in a really hodgepodge kind of fashion where – you can get information, but you don't know whether it's reliable and you don't know if it's applicable to you. Mm. And I think that that is one of the difficulties because, because everybody has similar, similar, similar and also different, you know, uh, levels of, of ability and disability, you know, and, you know, you see someone doing a transfer um, and they, and they're like, well, look how I can do it this way, but you know, maybe they're more flexible. Maybe they're stronger. Maybe they got better technique. Mm. Like all of those things. So you don't know if you can do it, and you can't figure out why you can do it. And you can't do it. So you know, I wish I could just say, yeah, go to you know www dot you know this that or a thing. But so it all comes down to I can't, I can't. it all comes down to figuring stuff out for yourself a lot of the time, right? And and. I mean, that's the thing that I found is it actually took 
it took years to try and find the right information and you know trial and error um, and some of the things were by chance for example uh, the first time I went sailing I I didn't realize that you got out of your wheelchair and got on the ground and then shuffled into the boat and uh, you know and for the guys that were doing it it was completely obvious to them that you had a little um, protector pad that you you strapped onto your um, over top of your clothes uh, and that protected your skin and then in the boat and off you went and it was just little moments like that little life hacks like that 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 opened up a whole range of activities so that's part of our goal with Adaptify is to share some of these some of the insights like you know I, I was really interested to hear you say that you know you can balance on a board and that going sideways and you, you lean back and you turn I mean it makes perfect sense and it's it's actually quite exciting to think about that um, so I mean that's why that's why we're we're driven to uh, interview the adaptifiers of the world, you being one of them, so we can share uh, all this knowledge and encourage people to go out and try new things and uh, and expand their horizons. Right. I, I think that you're, you're making a, a really good point um, that part of, and, and I think that you and I have a, a similar philosophy when we talk adaptifying, is that you know we're, we're trying to push push boundaries, push the limits of what is possible. And we're not saying that everybody is going to do that or everybody wants to do it. But you have to push the boundaries um, because otherwise there is no innovation. And it's the cutting level of innovation that makes that that creates the opportunity for everyone else. In other words, you know, let's just look at you know innovation for, for biking. Right, you know, most people are not going to be high-level super bikers, mm. but the fact that there exists all these amazing bike racers who can do all this stuff creates creates the products on on a lower level that everyone benefits from, and it, it's the it's the high level, you know, that that creates the innovation, you know, that creates these other products that are spinoffs of the other products, you know, for for the masses, so to speak. Without the leaders, you're just you're you're at a standstill. So, one of the things that somewhat unique, I think, to the disability industry is when you come up with an idea and you say, "Hey, um, I got this device, and look what it can do." And then people say, "Yeah, but but not everybody can do that. Mm. Not everybody in a chair can do this, that, or the other thing." And let me ask you: in the able-bodied world, when somebody comes up with something cool. Nobody says, yes, but not everybody can do that. They say, <laughs> wow, that's super cool, Yeah. right? Yep. It's only in the, in, in the disability world that the assumption is if you come up with something for a wheelchair user, then all wheelchair users must be able to do it. Mm. And that makes no sense. It's like if you came up with the, you know, someone came up with the unicycle and people said, no, not everybody can ride a one-wheel thing. You know, yeah. that's no good. <laughs> Let's get rid of that, mm. you know? And then you could look at the two-wheeled bike and say, whoa, no, not everybody can wheel, get ride a two-wheeled bike. Get rid of that, mm. you know? And what do you? And, and this is what happens in the disability world for the most part. You don't really have the cutting. You don't have people pushing, pushing boundaries because they're literally getting discouragement from the other group mm. that's saying, don't do that. You know, not all of us can do that. It was interesting. I, I had a comment that came up the other day on, on one of my posts and 
and the person was talking about um, don't forget, you know, don't forget the people that aren't pushing the boundaries. You know, they they've got great stories too, and and I agreed. I said, yeah, of course they do, and you you don't have to push the boundaries to to feel like you've achieved something in in life and and to be a role model to others. But I said, but we are into pushing boundaries, and and that's what we're into. Uh, you know, when I came through rehabilitation, I didn't want to be wrapped in cotton wool. I, I didn't want to feel as though just because I, I had this, you know, quote unquote disability, that I was going to be lumped in amongst, um, you know, a, a bunch of people that that didn't feel like they could continue or could push the boundaries. You know, I, I've always been a boundary pusher, and and I'm I'm going to continue to do that, right? And so part of what Adaptify is is actually, in my mind, it's filling a space out there in our community that says, hey, Eric, you're an adaptifier, you're, you're a boundary pusher. Come and, come and um, you know, let's be friends. Let's create this community of people that are boundary pushers and let's be proud of that and let's drive, let's drive innovation forward. And, and for those that, uh, that are comfortable to stretch and push their comfort zones a little bit, well, hey, we're going to be there for you. And for those that, that aren't, well, that's fine too. But we're still gonna we're still gonna push, and we're still gonna we're still gonna go and and do what we do what we want to do, right? Um, so I'm, I'm right, exactly. And and I, yeah. I was gonna say that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You go. Carry on. Sorry. Just you know, following on of what you said, I think that this is a really important point. You know, you can. Let's say that we had a club, and our club was, you know, well, look at people who like to do ultra marathoners, right? You know, they run 100 miles, they run 50, 50 miles, right? Like that's what they want to do, mm-hmm. you know. And you don't have to tell them, well, what about the people who can't run 50 miles? What about the regular people who just could do a 5K? Well, that's great, but you know what? If you're a person who does a 5K and you know that there's people out there who can run 50 and 100 miles, that helps you. It does. You may never be yeah. that person. But the knowledge that the human body can do that, that people can do that, will help you. And and that's the and that's what we're trying to say. You, we, we're not saying that if you don't push boundaries, you're a bad person. What we're saying, that's kind of our goal, and that's great. And you can benefit from the fact that knowing that somebody can do it. There are a lot of things that I can't do. I mean, as a, you know, I'm going to say a high-level para you know, maybe that puts me in the middle range. I'm not, you know, where I have much more, I have more physical ability than, say, you know, someone with a cervical injury, but less than a low level para. So I'm going to put myself smack in the middle. Mm. There are things that I, you know, I'm certainly never going to be, you know, good at, at, at um, kayaking, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and so that's fine. But the fact that I, that there are other people out there who are great kayakers, then that's, that's good for them. You know, why should I care? You know, it just tells me that, look, there are things that people can do. Aside from Red Pill Innovations, you, you run a Facebook group called um, Virtual Paras and Quads. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Virtual Peers for Paras and Quads. And where else can people uh, learn more about or connect with you, Eric? Well, they can't through Virtual Peers for Paras and Quads because it's a hidden group. Um, and I made it hidden, you know, so that that – the people who, for the most part, I invite to the group um, are somewhat, you know, self-selected. But for learning more about, you know, 
my activity, so to speak, you know, um, my wheelchair boarding page, I post on that. Uh, I post, you know, some stuff publicly on my Facebook page. And, and, and now with uh, my Red Pill Innovation site, um, you know, I've been doing some blogging. So I have a blog there. You know, there's information on that blog. And really that, that just talks about my, my philosophy on, on, on mobility. And, and trying to, you know, educate people on what my ideas of, of what personal mobility are and, and how, how people can improve upon that. So good, mate. Hey, well, thank you so much for joining us on the Adaptify podcast. You are 100% an Adaptifier and, uh, you know, I'm really pleased that we got a chance to chat. If you find yourself in New Zealand, uh, please look me up. Um, I'd, love to, uh, I'd love to hang out. Um, and if I find myself in, in your neck of the woods, I'll, um, I'll take some elbow protectors and, and a helmet and, uh, and I'll, I'll be happy to, uh, to give the uh, wheel, wheel boarding a, uh, a go. Yeah, that sounds great. And I appreciate it. It was you know, a great opportunity to, um, to talk with you and uh, hear all about Adaptify and, and your pro- uh, your, the stuff that you're working on. So I think it's great. Thanks a lot, Eric. All right. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.